DJ PK and Craig Bowlerjack joins us now, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line, leasing a handset and getting an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Bowler, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. You know, Bowler, before you were the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, I first knew you as the TV voice of BYU. I moved <laughs> to town. You were calling yeah. Cougar games. So yes, before, yes, 10 years uh, during the Detmer era and beyond. Absolutely. Everything changes. College football has changed dramatically. Leagues have changed. BYU's gone independent. When you heard the story about UConn uh, leaving the America Athletic Conference to go to the Big East, BYU, Army, those were the first two names thrown out there, two independent schools. Then, you know, they're, not, they're not state universities with a geographic footprint. They both have fan bases that go far beyond that. What did you think when you heard BYU-AAC? What was your gut reaction to the thought of them joining that league football only? Well, it's a start was my first thought. You know, I, I know the fans, and I'm sure uh, Homo would rather be in a, uh, you know, uh, in a top-five conference. Um, don't think that's going to happen unless expansion occurs. But, you know, I'm a proponent where I think that the, the Cougars have been ones to go out and try independence. And, you know, I, I, we've talked about this. This is a great subject, and it always seems to pop up every year. Even when I was doing play-by-play, there was always about, is there things, are, could the Cougars do something even bigger? Um, and then they find themselves in independence. They have the contract with ESPN. And I'm just still a guy who looks at the schedule, and for a, from a fan you know, standpoint, thinking of BYU fans, I mean, it's loaded in September. There's no doubt. Washington, Tennessee, Utah. You have Utah State, Boise State, and then it falls off. And that's where the problem seems to be. If you're in a conference, at least you can have the opportunity to still have something to play for in November. And that hasn't really been the case for BYU. Now, if you build an outstanding program, then maybe that won't be the case and you can coast home in November and you, you find yourself in a bigger bowl game. This year, what BYU is going to Aloha Bowl. And that's something that's uh, already printed, uh, thanks to ESPN. So, man, it's a great debate, you guys. I, you know, it's about rivalries too, PKDJ, in the sense of kind of being, you know, BYU's West, and then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, eastbound, and it, you know, you can't manufacture uh, rivals, uh, and that's the one thing that always works against, I think, a team jumping around. Um, you know, conferences. I, we, we talked to a guy from Colorado a couple of weeks ago when I think it was Gordon that was away and I happened to fill in. And, you know, he agreed that, you know, this Utah-Colorado has been a manufactured or at least they're trying to manufacture a rivalry, but it, you just can't do that. Things have to happen. Time has to, to pass and big things have to happen in those games. So even though it sounds good to me in, in one way of saying, hey, I'm back in a conference, at the same time, I'm not sure if fans are going to buy into it because of the the unknowns of, of those teams. You know, I, it's it, it's it's a difficult situation for, for Tom Homo and the Cougs, no doubt. When you look at this independence, you know, what is the realistic objective? Everybody wants to win all their games. But when you're scheduling in a manner that literally no one else is doing, with these tough opponents right off the bat, and you really haven't right. hit your stride as a football team, you're going to slip up. So you have to look at, do we want to have these big games 
and then the season trails off to a degree. They're getting better at it. You know, in, in November they've got the Aggies and San Diego State both away this year. And then those right. are two decent opponents. San Diego State's had a good program here in recent years. And so what is the goal or versus do you want to win a conference title? And then I look at it as, okay, I've got these two different things here. What is going to help me position ourselves to get in that power five? So that's my thought to you, because ultimately it's the power five. We were talking earlier, nobody in the AAC wants to be in the AAC relative to being in a power five. If any of those teams, same with Mountain West, they got an invite, sure. they would go, right? So Absolutely. what do you think, this, the method, the formula that they have now, or going to the AAC, which do you think would help them achieve the ultimate goal, which is to get in the power five? Well, I think I think the ACC is one of those places that gives you uh, yes a conference, but yet really nothing. You make a great point, PK, that most most of those teams want to jump and go and find a better home, and so it'd, it'd be a stopgap measure of just trying to find themselves a new conference. But I'm not sure that would do BYU any good. You could get stuck there for a long time. Independence gives you more freedom, but in my opinion, that. You better be good. You better build yourself a very fine football program to be an independent because you do one slip up as you mentioned, two losses early, one and four to start in September, and all of a sudden what you have built and hoped for all all of a sudden trickles down to defeat. As like the fan base again, I'm thinking of has very little to look forward to. And as you said, even though they've got uh, Utah State, San Diego State later in this in this schedule this year, it still puts, I think, BYU in a very difficult position to continue to, to sell the fan base of who we are, what direction we're going. Look, Kalani Sataki is under pressure, too, you know, to, to, con- to continue to get a contract. Um, you know, this is an important season. Uh, do they have enough receivers? Can they uh, initiate a running game? Uh, you know, when I was calling games, DJ, PK, you guys, it was, it was amazing the offensive prowess of what BYU had. They dominated teams in the in what was the whack. You know, the big game, I remember, and we never really got a chance to call it because ESPN was building their brand at the time. It was always the Cougars and the Aztecs. I mean, that, that game on the map of college football was always a circle because that was a high-scoring, high-scoring affair every time, whether it was in Provo or San Diego. And, uh, you know, BYU just dominated teams with the passing game, by the way. Tight ends, uh, Chris Smith and Chad Lewis and, you know, the Andy Boyces and the Bellinis and the Haymoolies of the day. And Don't forget Eric Drage. A, and Eric Drage, yeah. I mean, Ty was an assassin. Sarkeesian, you know, uh, had a terrific senior season, you remember. Uh, I think it was my last year calling BYU. Uh, they beat K-State. Down at uh, down in Texas, and um, you know it just hasn't been the same. And I can't put a finger on why. Is it recruiting? Is it a change of of direction uh, in the offensive scheme? Is 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 BYU not the landing spot it once was? Is it honor code? Is the honor code office? I mean, it's really an interesting dynamic of conversation. And I know you guys have your thoughts as well, but. You know, maybe the fact is everyone else in college football really kind of caught up with BYU. They were ahead of the game out here. And the passing game and the way they went about it uh, with multiple targets, um, moving out of the pocket, 
they they just they just basically beat teams. I mean, they beat them badly in Lavelle's days and those glory days. And you know, I think the one thing too, PK and DJ, it's still even though the time has passed. I know a lot of alums that I've run across, they are anxious and I think a little bit put off too that the talk of '84 is beginning to wane. You know, it's a new generation and those days of Bosco and the national championship. It just hasn't not really since that time. They've had big wins, yes, but not the national spotlight is shined on BYU. Not in a positive way. Sometimes more in a negative way because of of honor code situations or them not making a P5 conference and the reasons why. I mean, it's it's a dynamic conversation. Every year we get into it. It's always has a dynamic to it. All right, Bowler, NBA free agency is right around the corner. Can you throw out a name or two that you think the Jazz might end up, a player they might end up with, or is that too hard to do? Well, I, I think, you've, you know, you've kind of heard a couple, three names that have always been bounced around. And, you know, the first one I, I think of is Tobias Harris. Uh, you hear Danny Green. Um, you know, those are the first two that you kind of hear. But the way the Jazz operate, you know, obviously it's it's tight-lipped and those – those names will never be really made public because, again, they're not going to get into a situation that puts them or, or that particular player uh, in, a, in, a, in a bad situation. Um, you know, I think it all starts personally. You know, I can hardly wait to see how, how fast it moves on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon here. Um, and the first, the first domino to drop has got to be Kawhi. I mean, I, that's where I'm looking to see – how that works, and then Durant, after he uh, declined his player option, man, giving up 31.5 is unbelievable with a torn Achilles. Um, and then, of course, you got uh, the, the whole thing with Kyrie and Kimba. So, I mean, there are some big, big names in this free agency class, and I don't know, honestly, how it's going to play off. I guess Boston reportedly this morning has moved into the front runner for, for Kimba, so that that will be interesting to see how Danny Ainge goes about retooling the Celtics and if Hayward maybe is involved in a, in movement or not. But man, it's crazy out there right now. It's uh, injuries stunned me in the in the finals, as I think you guys would agree with Clay even going down with the ACL. And, you know, some of these guys want to be a face of their own team. They want to be recognized. They want to be max players. You know, with with cash. You know, with a cash cow payday. And, uh, boy, I tell you, it still stuns me to give up $31.5 million. But that's the confidence of a guy like Duran and his, uh, I guess, his team that believe that he'll, he'll recover and be the same player that he was. I'm not so sure. I guess we'll all have to wait together to see how that plays out. But it's going to be a you – know, I don't know if it's going to be fast-moving guys, PK. I don't know what you think. If it's all just going to come down and just be a one-hour rush and everybody's already lined up, or this is going to take some time for, like, the Kawhi move, if he moves, uh, to see, the, again, where everybody else falls into place. It's, it's pretty interesting. Ultimately, I care about the Jazz and what they do, and they've already made the one move. And in my mind, that they should jump in and be aggressive right from the start, which I, I have no doubt that they'll be, and not necessarily wait for other big names to go. They need a shooter, right? Get another shooter. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Preferably a big man. And even the, to me... The best of both, and get your thought on this, the best of both, they've already got Conley ready to go. So going forward here, get themselves a 
a, a player who's a proven commodity because it's about win now get themselves a proven commodity who can shoot and do it at a cost that allows you to keep favors then you're really set yeah well that's probably the biggest key in every discussion is uh favors and the 18 million and use it for to move him and uh use that money for as you said an impact another impact player but your point is well taken i thought you know faves making it through the trade for conley indicates to me that jazz have plans for faves and and i think rightly so i think he had a terrific season and also you know, it was the one reason why the Jazz even got one win in the playoffs against the Rockets. Uh, they've got the mid-level, you know, exception that they can use. But, yeah, you're right. They'd have to move a couple more assets to make room cap-wise, PK and DJ, to make that happen. And I think we all agree. We all agree in, the, in what is basketball today. Uh, you have to have a, uh, a stockpile of shooters. You know, Miritich is another guy that, you know, came to mind, I guess I heard on a rumor mill, a day or two ago, and, you know, he's like a 36% career three-point shooter for a big. Um, It's it's really going to be intriguing to see if the Jazz can actually land that player, PK, that you speak of. And, DJ, I think that the Jazz are probably in a better position than they ever have been, in my opinion, after the, the, you know, reported deal of Conley coming to Utah. And that all comes to fruition, I guess, on July 6th, okay? But when that happens, or even before, knowing that, how big is that to recruit that other free agent that you speak of, PK? Because now you have a legit three in Rudy and Donovan and Conley, and then you've got a coach that's well-respected as well, and a facility, in my opinion, that just rivals anything in the NBA. I would think this is probably the best time that players are actually looking over their shoulder and saying, you know what, destination point. Salt Lake City and the Utah Jazz. I think they're they're in a very good position, maybe better than any time uh, since the Stockton, Stockton and Malone days um, and the Hornacek deal, uh, the trade uh, that would bring a, another player, as you said, that would make another impact, especially off the bench, especially off the bench, because they have to solidify, you know, an uh, eight, nine, and ten to really uh, again to be a major player in the West. So, uh, PK brought up this point a few days ago that uh, the Jazz won 50 games and, you know, Quinn Snyder designs this whole offense and get open shots, but they were always running out three starters who couldn't make a three. Two who definitely weren't going to make it, and a third who wasn't going to make it most nights. How different is it going to be when there's four guys who can make a three-point shot? Close your oh. eyes and picture those practices because you're in them and we're not. Right. And and you see Quinn going through it. And so when you go into a game, you know what they want to get, you know where they want to get the shot, and you know why. Because he's saying it all right there. Right. How different is it going to be? I, I, I tell you, I think Conley, uh, when his arrival is official, then he would be a guy that facilitates, as we know, uh, can get the ball back if necessary and hit that shot. Uh, Donovan is going to be the focal point. Uh, obviously it opens the floor more for Joe, opens the floor more uh, for, for the two bigs. I'm speaking to Gobert and Favors. Favors isn't particularly a three-baller, as we know. His best opportunity is from the corner. Um, 
But I just think the Jazz are more aggressive. I think you'll see more three-point attempts, personally. I, you'll still see the, 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 the lob, the high pass at the rim. But I think you'll see a more maybe uh, aggressive Utah Jazz team. Um, and that's exciting because Conley's such a playmaker uh, with assists, and he's a defender, which uh, fits into the uh, Quinn Snyder and the Jazz DNA uh, as good as it gets. So uh, the three ball, I still think PK's right. There still has to be another piece that can still give the Jazz another option. You also have to wonder, too, guys, if George Niang, who's, who's proven that he has three-point ability, uh, if he's not going to be a bigger factor in, in this um, uh, in this season, Royce O'Neal steps up. Neto has to be healthy as, as well, and I, I think he knows that. He's working out to, to, to really strengthen his body. So there are some pieces there. It's another one that's needed to really give this Jazz team the push to get past 50 and above, and also not only 50 wins, but past round one and two and get uh, this franchise into the Western Conference Finals. And, you, and PK, I think it was you, or was it DJ, you said win now. Yeah, I think that's the most important statement there is because the contracts at Donovan and Rudy are two years out. Conley's deal purported is two years. So, you know, it, it is a win-now mentality to prove or to show this franchise, the fan base, and their two-star players uh, that they are serious about the now, not later or developing players. It's about now. And I think that's exciting and very important to, to note uh, during this whole this whole process of what they're trying to do. Speaking of exciting, when Conley's on the national stage right there at the Ward Show, looking forward to it. Let's do something special, Utah. Oh, how man, ting- Utah, man, Listen I'm looking to forward to it. Let's go do something special. Oh, how tingly did you get? <laughs> how about the cutaway of Quinn? Uh, you know, just sitting there wondering, pondering what could be. Yeah. You know, I, it's exciting, man. It's it's going to be uh, anything. I mean, anytime you get new new blood, look, Ricky Rubio was a terrific person, and uh, I, I had a, I, I really liked him. Uh, but at the same time, it's upgrading, and I think every player knows that. You know, your position is always under scrutiny. Um, and you know, I'm sure Jay. I mean, there's a lot of Jay Crowder fans. Love the guy's attitude and his and his ability to to, to lead and a, and a teammate and a locker room guy. But, you know, you have to give up assets to gain, and that's the, that's the reality, sometimes the brutal reality of what, what you know, professional sports is all about. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's definitely an exciting time, and I'm anxious to see the next step, PK, as you said, and, and DJ, where the Jazz go and who that particular player is. I'm sure they have a plan. As You, you guys, the Scotty Layden days, the Kevin O'Connor days, <clears throat> the Dennis Lindsay days now, the Justin Zanuck days as general manager, I mean, it's always quiet on the front. Uh, it's always been tight-lipped. But they have a plan, and obviously there's a one, two, and three, or four, or five who who would fit if one's off the board to go to the next one. So um, Jazz has been pretty savvy in the past, and they picked up three second-round picks. I don't expect them to be you know, impact players by any means, probably D-league guys, maybe one two-way guy that may be able to come back and forth. But they also need bodies because of the the the, uh, the cap issue, and so probably smartly they kind of restocked with some players that they have some hope for. Maybe as you know, they all they always like to claim too, as they have. I think O'Neill and, and George is a, is a good example of how they were able to um, to develop players, and so that's another part of this whole equation is having bodies and having players to work with. Um, 
So, again, Summer League starts on Monday. We'll see a couple of players that maybe will play a factor in this. You know, Willie Reed is a guy that has some really big, big man potential. And Tony Bradley gets another chance to kind of prove what he can do. So, um, you know, that's why you play Summer League, to get a look at some guys and see if they get a jump on the season. There's all these other guys to look at, but, you know, if you're really going to go deep in the playoffs, you usually have to have a top ten, if not a top five player in the NBA. It really helps have the best player. How big a step can Donovan Mitchell take? What's realistic? If he doesn't progress, that's a problem. Thinking he's going to be the best player in the NBA is a problem because you're setting the bar too high. What's realistic? What should he do? What do you expect out of him? Well, he said it himself, uh, DJ, that you know he has to be in better shape, which was kind of a surprising comment. Uh, and you know what? 82 games is, is tough, as we all know, to stay healthy, but also to be explosive. And that's his game, to remain with legs and the ability to to, to get to the rim and uh, to be explosive even in those waning weeks of of a, of a season. And even getting through that, that tough hump, you know, after uh, the first of the year and before the All-Star break and just after, uh, and, and really continue to have that that bounce. So I think that's one thing that, he, that he's looking to. And then, of course, with the backcourt that, that will be, um, then you have an opportunity that Conley is not a, a ball possession, heavy possession, you know, uh, field goal attempt player gives, I think, Donovan the ball more. And I think, again, spacing because you have to guard Mr. Conley. And then, of course, Donovan has more open looks. And can he get to the rim? Can he be a better three point shooter? Uh, we've seen him rip off. You know, big nights of uh, thirty plus with not much effort. You know what? Also, it is DJ and PK is that he has that ability to get to the free throw line. And those the, the top ten scores in the league. That's one thing they have in common is that they dictate uh, the ability to to drive and get fouled and then be a good foul shooter. So, I think Donovan's got a chance to to be to add three or four more points to his total. He could be twenty six, twenty seven a night. I know that's a lot for a young third-year player. But I think as the system opens up, I think he has the potential to be there, and that's exciting. If that's the case, he's a top top seven, top ten scorer in this league. Um, but if things fall off on given nights, hopefully he'll have the support <clears throat> that the Jazz still can make up those points. Uh, and that means that Conley would have to step up when that deal is swung. And Joe Ingles as well. I mean, I think it opens the floor. Joe got crowded, remember, in the playoffs with Houston, they doubled him outside on the three-point line because Ricky Rose really wasn't being guarded all that much. And Joe was was frustrated most of that playoff series. And so this whole thing, I think, just gives – you've got to guard each every each player that the Jazz put on the floor. That opens up a lot of more opportunities and a lot less stress at the same time. Buller, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Looking forward to see how this Always, plays guys. out. I can't wait. Be fun on Sunday.